two of our little mini-series, Two Sides of the Same Story. Um, I have the honor of sharing again with Pastor Ross out of town. So I'm ready. Hopefully you're ready. Let's go ahead and pray and get this started. Father, thank you for who you are. We just thank you for the incredible love you have for us. And as we get into your word today, I just pray for us all to have eyes to see, ears to hear, to take in whatever it is that you want us to take in today, to walk out of here changed. And God, just let these words be yours, not mine. Holy Spirit, come and do your thing. Uh, impact us where we need to be impacted. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. Convict us where we need some conviction. And we just pray that uh, we can just grow together uh, closer to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So if you were not here last week, I'm going to do a little quick recap of what we talked about last week. We're going to breeze through that. So it's called Two Sides of the Same Story. This is week two, so it's part two. We all on the same page so far? Awesome. This is great. It's going to be awesome. So um, so th this series, this little mini-series, our life is a story. Your life's a story. My life's a story. It's a story, and there's two sides to that story. Some of it is good. Some is bad. Some we're proud of. Some things we're ashamed of. But regardless of where those things fall in our life, they're still part of our story. So we talked last week about um, two sides of the life of David. So we looked at King David, his life, and the two sides of his story. And we talked about the good, the bad, the ugly, and how those were reconciled. So uh, first thing I want to refresh us on from last week is that for us today as followers of Christ, if we're following Jesus, the two sides of our story have been reconciled through Jesus through Jesus and what he did on the cross. The consequences of our sin do not automatically, eternally separate us from God. That's good, and that's because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 8.1, it tells us, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Yeah. Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit set us free. Anybody want to be free? Enjoy being free? Come on. Freedom is good. So we talked about that. We also talked about how God doesn't look at us like the world does. That's kind of how this all weaves and connects together, that we're not identified and judged by our awards, our accolades, our accomplishments, and that's because God looks at the heart. That's how he sees us. He looks at the heart. And that's how, despite all that David did in his life, we talked about, like I said, the good and bad last week, he was still called a man after God's own heart. David's heart was sold out to praise, to worship, to honor, and to follow God. So I had a good conversation last week with someone um, on one of the points I made, and it's, it's this one right here, uh, that a heart for God doesn't stop you from sinning. It stops you from being defined by your sin. So I wanted to give a little further clarification on that point there. So having a heart for God doesn't make it impossible to sin. It doesn't, but it does make it possible not to sin. So looking at that, through the freedom we receive through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, it's theoretically possible not to not sin. It's possible. But it's extremely unlikely and pretty much impossible that any of us are going to go every day, every hour, every minute for the rest of our lives, not make any bad decisions and never sin again. Right? Just very unlikely. So thank God for his grace. That's where his grace comes in. That's how it's so powerful that as followers of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of his blood shed for us, that we are not defined by our sins. Hallelujah. That's good. We also hit last week on how it's important to be accountable and own up to your sins, to, to, to you know, be real about that, because we all suffer from the same condition that David suffered from, that Paul suffered from. We suffer from it. It's called it widow. 
If you didn't, if you weren't here last week, it'll make a whole lot of sense if you listen to the whole message. But uh, it, it is, I do what I don't want to do. And you can really dive in and look in Romans chapter 7, Paul gets into this and really explains it out, this battle that we have, the two sides of this story of doing what we don't want to do. And because we all deal with this condition, and it's something we constantly are dealing with, we have to be on guard against sin. We have to be on guard against sin because whenever sin's involved, sin brings consequences. And remember, we said this last week, it's never God's fault if you have to suffer consequences from your sin. That is on us. That is on you. You can't get mad at God when he's like, don't do this. You do it. There's consequences, and you have to suffer from them. That's on us. So when that does happen, though, we can take a, play, a, a page out of David's playbook, do what he did, and you look at David and how he lived his life, and he had this system he kind of followed where when he sinned, when he messed up, he repented. So repenting is just saying, God, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. What I've done or how I'm living is wrong. And then you repent, you go, or you turn, you go 180 degrees directly the opposite direction of whatever that is that's been messing you up. Go the other way, and then you complete the cycle by returning to God, coming back to your Heavenly Father, allowing Him to come fight the fight with you with His strength, not your own. So that is the recap of last week. So we're into week two, two sides of the same story. So I want to start today in a place where I have been before, a place I've personally been and I'm sure in a room of this many people and those watching online, there's some of you that are probably in this place right now. So this is a place um, that I, I, I say I've been, and I've talked to people, countless people who've been in this place and dealing with the struggles of being in this place. It's a place I've been, but it's also a place the devil constantly tries to bring me back to. Time and time again, he tries to bring me back there. And it is a place where we settle for less. It's a place where we settle for less than God's best. So I want to ask this question. How many in here, how many of you guys, you watching online too, how many of you shop at the dollar store? Okay, don't be ashamed. I did not grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I did not go into youth ministry to be a millionaire by 40. So I appreciate a good dollar store, okay? Nothing wrong with a good dollar store. But how many of you would agree that there's some things quality-wise you don't want to buy from the dollar store? Right? There's some things, like I think of my kids all growing up, they'd want to get these toys from the dollar store. I'm like, you can, you can get that, but it's probably not going to last maybe more than a week. There's a reason that it's that cheap and that it only costs a dollar. So as Christians, though, as Christians, as followers of Christ, saved and going to heaven, knowing who we are, a lot of times we will settle for a discount dollar store version of redemption. We will do that. And if you do that, don't do that. Like I said, I've been there before. Don't do that. Don't settle for discount redemption. Why? Why don't, why don't we and why shouldn't we? Because Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. It's done. It's finished. You get it all. There's no half salvation, half redemption. But yet some of us live our lives and believe in that, that we don't get it all for whatever reason. So this, this is how I, I kind of picture this discount dollar store redemption stuff working. So I see the devil and his counterparts, his demons, those on his side doing his, his bidding. I, I see their plan against us as followers of Christ, as, as men and women. This is how their plan kind of works in my mind is, first off, they're like, don't let them hear the gospel. Don't let them hear the good news of what Jesus did for them, that there's freedom. Don't let them hear that. 
because they know the the power that it carries. But the devil can't stop the gospel, right? He can't stop the good news. So when we hear it, then the next thing is like, okay, they've heard it. Help them not. Let's try to confuse them and have them not believe it, to not take ownership, to not think it's for them. Let's do that. And that's what the devil will do. He'll try to twist and turn things. He's a liar. He's a master manipulator. He's a counterfeiter. That's what he does. He'll try to throw you off however he can. But our God is greater than the God of this world, right? Yes. So then when we do hear the gospel, when we believe it, when we accept the gift of salvation through Jesus, then the devil adjusts his plans again. He's like, okay, dang. Um, they, they're going to heaven now. There was a, an eternal change of address put in for their spirit. They're no longer going to hell. So now, um, now let's convince them that they're going to have to go through hell here on earth. Let's convince them that. You know, they've changed that. Let's convince them that they, they're useless. They're not... God doesn't want to use them. There's limits on what they can do. That they're, While they're on this earth, there's just, they're just going to have to suffer and not do that much. Let's try to hide from them the complete package, the fullness of what they received through Jesus. Let's get them to believe that they're less than and that their salvation is less than too. So I believe that's their plan there. And I think that we can quickly forget, we can quickly forget what it was that saved us what it was that saved us, and what it is that allows us to have a relationship with God. So let's remind ourselves here this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. That's a gift I want. I don't know about you. That gift of grace. We need to embrace God's grace. He's provided for it. He's already done the work. He wants us to embrace that. And this isn't like a once upon a time thing where you do this once and that's it. It's something that we need to come back to time and time again of reminding ourselves of God's grace and how much he loves us and how much he cares about us. We need to constantly remind ourselves and grab a hold of that grace. So when you have been saved, when you've been redeemed by grace through faith in Jesus, that means that we have designer brand redemption. That's what we have. We have designer brand redemption. Forget that discount dollar store stuff. Like, would you buy a Chanel or Louis Vuitton bag from the dollar store? Come on. Your salvation isn't a knockoff. You're not a knockoff either. You're a registered trademark of the designer of designers, God himself. Yes. And when you're a registered trademark of God, a child of God, it means that you are redeemed, restored, and renewed by the designer himself. Yes. So that tells me it's, it's not on us and our handiwork. It's not on that. It's from him because we are his. That's who we belong to. So do you believe that? That's the question. Do you believe it? I mean, you can hear it, but do you believe it? Or are you still stuck thinking that you, for whatever reason, because of your past, because of where you grew up, because of your family, whatever, you could have countless lists of reasons. Do you still believe that you have a discount dollar store redemption? Maybe you're like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, there's a good litmus test that you can run yourself through to see how you think about this and where you stand on this. And that's if, is right now, do you believe that you are disqualified from being used by God? Don't answer, okay? But do you believe that? Do you believe that you are disqualified from being used by God? And if you'd say yes, I'm going to get a little mean here, okay? If you believe you are, I'd, I'd be like, why? 
Why do you believe that? Do you think your sin is something special? Do you think the blood of Jesus shed on the cross was not powerful enough to take care of your sin? Because if you do, that's pride. I know it's kind of a different way of thinking about pride and how, not how we normally look at it, but that would be pride. If you believe that Jesus couldn't fully redeem you from your specific sin, you are walking in pride and you need to check yourself. So let's go back to last week. We, we talked and kind of walked through David's sins with Bathsheba, the whole mess that that was. So I got to ask, thinking of that, when that happened, was David disqualified from being used by God? Did his legacy end there? Was he crossed off the list? No, you're not either. You're not either. Our enemy, the devil, he'll do whatever he can to try to shut you down, to shut you up, to make you feel unqualified, useless, unable to be used by God, and that is not true. Those are all lies. Because if, if only people who are perfect and flawless could be used by God, the Bible would be a biography on Jesus. Because no one else would make the cut. It's true. No one else would make the cut if that's what it was all about. And think about this. If we stop chasing after God because of our mess-ups, what will we miss out on? I just think, man, the devil would be like, man, that was easy. You mess up and you sin or something, and you're just like, God can't use me anymore. The devil's like, man, I didn't have to do nothing. This was simple. But think about it. If we let that stuff stop us, what will we miss out on? And not just what will you miss out on, but what will your children and children's children miss out on? What will the people who work around you that there's no other Christian influence, what are they going to miss out on if you allow that stuff to shut you down? So see, there's, there's a name given to Jesus. He had a lot of names, but one that I think fits perfectly with what we've been talking about last week and this week is the name Son of David. See, God had promised throughout the prophets or through the prophets throughout the Old Testament that the Messiah was coming, that he was to be the Savior of the people, and that he would be from the royal line of David. Well, we know now what they didn't know then, that Jesus is Messiah. He fulfilled that. He was the Messiah. And the angel Gabriel, in talking to Mary, had this to say about Jesus. Luke 1, verse 32 says, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. David's line was where Jesus came from. Mary goes, wait, 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 wait. You're talking about David the giant slayer or David the sinner? Both. Two sides of the same story. Jesus himself came through David's family's family line. So I think it's important for us to look at this and see and realize that our past, our sin, our mistakes, all those things, they don't mean that God can't do amazing things through us and our family now. That's not what that means. Buying into this lie that we have this discount dollar store redemption can bleed into the lives of our kids, our grandkids, future generations. It can bleed into the line of, line, lives of your good friends who are around you all the time as well. So getting this right isn't just for you in the here and now. It has lasting implications. So knowing that Jesus came from the line of David, thinking back to the whole story we read, all the sin David committed, that Jesus came through this line, it should show us that you and your legacy are not defined by your mistakes and mess-ups. God can and wants to work through you and your family line. He does. And, and I would say not just your family, but the people around you. Like, how does God want to bring change to the people that are around you, that are in your circle of influence? 
through his power in your life. So we need to see things clearly. We need to, we need to get this. And it starts by us looking at ourselves and loving ourselves. That's where it starts. Seeing that your true self is not who you see in the mirror. That's not the true you. It, it's not what you've done right and what you've done wrong, your track record while you've been here on this earth. No, it's not who you are. It's about whose you are. That's what it is. It's not who you are. It's whose you, you are. That's where our identity is. This is the reconciliation of both sides of our story. Our sin and shame came face to face with God's grace. Guess who won? God's grace. God's grace every day, 24-7, 365, is greater than our sin and shame. So we can hear that. We can be like, yeah, that looks great. Yeah, we can amen that. But do we believe that and live that? Do we live our life that way? Because we need to do that. We need to keep reminding ourselves. We need to keep reminding ourselves because his grace should be a catalyst for us to live a life of value, a life of purpose. We're not supposed to live a life. I don't believe we're supposed to live a life where we only have impact while we're here on this earth living and breathing. I, I believe that God, by and through his grace and love, has so much more for all of us. That we're made for a life of lasting, eternal impact. We're made to love God and love people and show God's heart to those people while we're here. So we need to, we need to live our lives knowing that God wants to use us. Knowing that he wants to use us. But some of us will write ourselves off as too weak, as, you know, too much sin in my background. I'm, I'm too selfish. I'm too unqualified. Whatever it is to be used by God. Where you, you understand that you're saved and you're going to heaven. Like, you get all that. But you see that as, you see, as, you see what Jesus did on the cross is like a get-out-of-jail-free card to save you from hell. That, that's, that's how a lot of people look at this. We settle for that discount dollar store version of redemption. And the funny thing is, that isn't even a real thing. It's fake. It's counterfeit. It's a knockoff. The only place it exists is in your mind. It's not real. But when we believe it, and we live that way, we miss out on the full, complete relationship that God, our Heavenly Father, wants to have with us. It holds us back from our full potential that he's set up for us. And I really, I don't think we can receive the, the fulfillment and contentment in our lives that God created us to have unless we allow God to use us. So Pastor Ross's last series, if you've been here the, the weeks prior to this week and last, um, he was in a series, The Master's Peace, and he touched on this. So I want to read this verse, which should sound really familiar if you were here. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So this verse is pretty clear that we were created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things, to do good works. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. That's how God set things up. And we won't find fulfillment that matches that or comes close to that anywhere else. You can try. You can try looking. You're not going to find it anywhere else, no matter how, how much you strive and go for it, because that's not what we are created for. Spending your life working to be successful, to be appreciated and loved in the world's eyes, it's like chasing after the wind. And the Bible talks about this in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. It says, so I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. That's one of those verses like we talked about last week. You don't see that on your refrigerator. I haven't seen a tattoo of this on someone, you know, like it's not the kind of stuff people go for. But it's true. 
the author of Ecclesiastes is saying here that the things we pursue and chase after here on earth, they're meaningless and they won't fill us up. People do that with money, man. Oh, man, when I, when I, get, when I get money, everything is gonna, life is going to be amazing and incredible. Guess what? No. The things we chase after. If you want that abundant, fulfilling, purposeful life, you have to allow God to use you. And when I say use you, not use you in a bad way, more like partner with you and equip you, empower you to do what he's got for you to do. And God wants to use you because he loves you. He's not being selfish. It's not because he needs you. It's because he wants what's best for you. And that's a, when we get that, man, it just it makes such a difference. And that, this is, all, this is why Jesus came. Titus 2.14 says he gave himself for us to set us free from every sin and to cleanse us so that we can be a special people who are enthusiastic about doing good things. So you ask yourself, am I enthusiastic about doing good things? That's how God wants me to be. He wants your life to have meaning and purpose now. This, this isn't like my life will have meaning and purpose when I'm in heaven worshiping God. No, he wants your life to have meaning and purpose now. He wants you to leave an eternal impact long after you leave this earth. And we do that by impacting people. We do this by, it, it, it ties into, this is what this whole two weeks has been about, if you haven't caught on yet, is that it all starts and we, all, we walk this out and it becomes a thing by us having a heart for God, like David did, like David was known for. Having a heart for God <clears throat> in a practical way, I think, to cultivate this is to meditate on God, how do you want to use me? Like, you, you've saved me. You've redeemed me. You've set me free. Now what am I to do? I don't think it's sit on your couch and watch TV or play video games. And You can do that at times. I'm not saying you can never do that. But how does God want to use you? So I would challenge you, like, if you haven't, spend time thinking about this. Pray to God. Ask him, like, God, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? And look for opportunities. And when those opportunities come, when God shows you, do it. Put action to it. Put some action to this. And realize that your true identity, it isn't in how well you've lived your life. Thankfully, for most of us, that's not where our true identity is. It's in the promises and truth of God's word. It is. So let's look. I want to look at the full picture here. We've Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I want to read this all together in one section here. So God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Good news. So, what happens when I mess up? What happens when things aren't going well, when bad things happen to me? What happens when I'm suffering from a case of idwidwidda? And I don't know what to do. What do, what do we do then? We run back to God. We run back to our Heavenly Father. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, God doesn't cause all those bad things to happen. We bring some on ourselves. Some is just life. But God can still use those. He can use those downtimes, those bad things. At the very least, they can be a learning experience for us and maybe for other people too. So I want to look at this verse again, right in the middle there. We're going to dive in again. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who, let me, let me finish the blank, um, those who are perfect, um, those who have a clean record, um, those who never mess up, um, those who 
never sin, those who don't sin, um, those who always do what's right. Is that what that's about? No. This verse here, just to hit it again, see, we need to get this, is God works it all together for those who love him, those who love God. So this all takes us back to the verse we ended with last week, uh, 1 John 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. When we embrace that God loves us, that our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally, when we embrace that love he has for us, it allows us to love him and to love people so much better. So I believe there's like an order of operations here when it comes to love that builds right off of 1 John 4:19, and it's this. We have the unofficial but pretty accurate timeline of how love works. So first off, you'll see, is receiving God's love, embracing, grabbing a hold of, just seeing what God did, how he brought love to life by sending Jesus to die for you, to own that. And when we receive that, knowing he loves us, knowing how he feels about that, it opens up our heart to love him. And then we start seeing ourselves through God's eyes, not through what people say about us, not through what the world says, not through our track record of how we've lived our lives, but we see ourselves as God sees us and we're able to love ourselves better. And then all this works together to allow us to really love others like God wants us to and like he's called us to. So today, if you tell me that you struggle with loving God, yourself, or others, I bring you back to 1 John 4, 19 and ask, do you really understand and have you embraced how much God, your heavenly Father, loves you? Because that's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. And he loves you way more than you can even comprehend. Like it's crazy. It's one of those things that you even try to wrap your minds around. It's going to make your head hurt. But just, just getting a taste, just getting a small piece of that love that God has for you, man, knowing that, like, that will change you and that will change your life. And guess what? The amazing thing is, like, is, is incredible is there's always more of God's love to receive. It's not, there's not a, oh, this is it. God's like, this is all you can get in my love. You used it all up. There's always more. It never ends. So I'd encourage you, keep pursuing it. Keep pursuing it. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because you'll have times where you really feel it. You really, I'm like, you, I know God loves me right now. You're like, I, I, yeah, I feel it. I know it. And there's other times that you're not feeling it so much, that you're struggling a little bit. And I would encourage you, keep running back to that truth. Don't let your emotions guide you. Let God's truth guide you. Read scripture that tells you this. Find verses that talk about God's love for you. You, you can go back through this and, and write some of these down. Sing songs that talk about God's love for you. Just this week as I was working on the message, I created a playlist in my Apple Music of songs that speak to me of God's love for me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need this. You know, sometimes I'll need it way more than others. Just put that on and just, just soak it up. Just soak it in. So if you were here last Sunday for the 1130 service, which I made fun of the 830 because I'm like, none of y'all probably came to the three-hour difference, man. This is wreck your whole day, right? But uh, last week during the 1130, we had the guys come back from the return. So if you don't know what the return is, it's a ministry. It's not ours, but it's a ministry we partner with. Super powerful. They do the men's events, the return, the women's events, the reflect. And uh, whenever they come back, they come to our third service. Worship is off the chain. It's like nuts. Like I got up after that last week, and I was like feeling like I'd 
drink seven energy drinks or something. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. But it's just, it's, it's, so, it's so powerful. But I, I went on my return event October of 2021, and that changed me. I did that, and God met me there, and I saw a different level, a different intentionality of his love for me. And it wrecked me in the best way possible. So am I saying that if you're a guy, you should go to the return, and if you're a woman, you should go to the reflect? Heck yes, I am. Okay? The roadmap.org is their website. They're, they're, the upcoming events are full, but there's ones later this summer and this fall. It's incredible. It's five days of shutting off all the noise, all the distractions of your life in the world, and just spending it with your Heavenly Father is priceless. It's so good. So good. I, I, I'm going to say this because I'm an open book. If you don't know me, I'm an open book. I did not want to go on to the return. I did not want to do it. I remember Pastor Ross standing right here in this spot, and he was like, almost all of our pastors have won on the return. And I'm in the front row, and I'm like, I know. I'm the only one that has, and I'm going to do it, okay? So uh, I didn't want to go. One of my friends went with me, and we're both like, we're going to do this together, and this, this is crazy. We're out of here, man. We're taking off together. We're in this. But I went, and I'm so glad I went. I didn't know how bad I needed it until I was there. Like, it was so powerful. It was so good. So whether this is the first time you've heard about it or you've heard us talking about this for a year or so, if you're thinking about, should I go on one of these events, I, my advice to you is to make like Nike, just do it. Okay, just do it. So we're going to end the, the service today, this week, this series, uh, with the same phrase I left you with last week. And that's the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. There is nothing you have done that could change your father's love for you. Now, I said that last week, and no, I did not come up with it. They threw it on social media, and I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm taking credit for this. It is from a song that I've been listening to that I just can't stop listening to. That's just been hitting me hard. So today we're going to end this service with this song, and it's an opportunity for you to maybe sing it over yourself or just soak up the lyrics, whatever it is, to, to own this and believe these truths here. Now, this song is from Jonathan and Melissa Helser, and it's called I Am Your Beloved. And beloved, if you don't know, beloved means loved very much, dear, near and dear to your heart. That's how God feels about you. You are his beloved. Whether you believe it or not, it's still true. That's how he views you. That's how he feels about you. So Dylan's going to play this song for us here in just a moment. When he goes into this here, I want to encourage you. The lights are going to come down. Uh, we'll have the prayer team up front if there's anything you need prayer for. But um, whatever you feel led to do, whether it's sit down, stand up, lift your hands, pray, just look at the words on the screen, just listen. Whatever it is you do, just open yourselves up to this truth that God loves you in a crazy, unconditional, amazing way. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, all that. Think of David. Think of his past and how he was a man after God's own heart. That is what God wants to say about all of us as well, that we are a man or a woman after his heart. So I just want to encourage you to open yourself up to that and realize that no one loves you like God does, and no one can, and there's nothing you can do to change that. We're going to pray together here in just a few seconds, and if you're praying this and really owning it and believing it in your heart, your life is going to be changed and rearranged as you receive Jesus his way of life, and receive that amazing, incredible, unconditional love that your Father has for you. So why don't we pray this together? You can repeat this after me. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. On my own, I'm not good enough. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I need Jesus. 
I believe that he died and came back alive for me. He paid the price for my sins. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I put my faith and trust in you to live the rest of my life with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.